Is this fake sire? Is this this Hades costume? Is the stinkiest costume on this brand? <laughs> Babies are often very useless when you need to get things done. Take a puff. Do you fear that? Bing Bong is a sus individual. What do you think I look like? A jackass? <laughs> Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, spooky season is peaking. Mm-hmm right now Mm -hmm. and we have run the best disney halloween movie bracket before we did that uh, a couple of years ago uh i believe our winner was nightmare before christmas if i I remember correctly maybe but (laughs) uh if y'all want our our halloween movie takes go back in time uh, relive that episode it was super fun um so this year uh we're doing a little extended spooky season. We hit the Pixar villains last week and we're getting a little bit uh, more specific with our Disney movies this week. Yeah, we're diving into the scariest Walt Disney animation studios scene. No Pixar, no live action, no Marvel. This is strictly just the animation studios films. And we plucked out all of the scary scenes from each of those films and went around and asked some folks, what they thought was the scariest in order to get our bracket. So I'm super stoked because there is a lot of weird creepiness and weird spookiness hidden within some of these films that maybe don't have a fully overlying scary tone to them. So we're going to dive right into it. And uh, to help us really break this one down, we got the power couple themselves. It is Alyssa and Eric, and if you're watching on the on the Zoom, and a cat, we've got a, we've got the cat uh, joining us as the triple threat. <laughs> Welcome back, you two. Hello, it's good to be back, and Frida is here to support us. <laughs> <laughs> this is Frida. She um, is a big fan of um, the Aristocats. The Aristocats. Like I was gonna say Andy Warhol. <laughs> <laughs> other podcast it's good to see that frida dressed up in in her best tux for this event too that's very nice of frida always formal excited (laughs) to have you both back are you two fans of spooky season oh yes fans of spooky season although i will say i do not recall most of these um film scenes because i haven't seen most of these for like 10 years or since childhood and so re-watching them was pretty scary got us in the mood for spooky season Yep, I'm creeped out. We just watched these. <laughs> Definitely creeped out. But um, I'm, I feel like thank you guys for keep having us back. Every time I'm like, that was terrible. I was not funny. <laughs> I was not good. So I appreciate y'all for bringing us back each time. Hey, man, three Yerba Mate's in and we don't know what Eric's going to be saying out here. I so, uh... just, just while we're here, um, if, ever, if, if nobody has ever had Guayaquil's Yerba Mate... This is this is not sponsored. I am an ambassador, but this again, is not, not a sponsor. Eric is pod. sponsored. I, I I personally am sponsored. The podcast is not sponsored. Just if you've never had your babate before, just like I've got the loose leaves here. Um, 
put it in a gourd. You got to get a special straw. I'll just if you know me, you can DM me. If you don't know me <laughs> at Science Baddie, I'll I'll hook it up. I'll bring you. I'll, we'll, we'll get you. In, we'll get you in the culture. If you need that yerba mate recipe from the source himself, go ahead and at Science Baddie across social and see see what you get. Eric can definitely provide that for you. <laughs> No one's gonna follow me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This, the mouse madness influence may uh, really push some followers over there. The boost, the boost, the big boost. Uh, good. While we're on the topic of your mates, great time to talk about spoonful of sugar, Chris. What you drinking? Well, uh, last week I went out on a little uh, little trip. No, oh, did Took he? a trip to Asheville, North Carolina. First time in Asheville. Um, had a great time at a family wedding and, uh, Asheville, big alcohol town. Oh. <laughs> I had no idea. I didn't really know a thing about Asheville and I was very surprised that most of the economy, uh, revolved around breweries and, and drinking alcohol and getting inebriated. So, nice. uh, there was a lot of beer. Uh, flowing and obviously we know me i'm a picky beer drinker and so i was very nervous and i was happy to walk into our first brewery and they had two different sour beer flights wow uh, that was like only sour beer normally the sour beer is like the throw in on some other flight but uh tons of sour beers flowing in Asheville. so i had uh had my pick of the litter and uh, I brought one home with me. Uh, this is actually one I did not try while I was there. So this is going to be a taste test. This is uh, Wicked Weed White Angel. And uh, it's barrel-aged American sour ale with wild grapes. And hmm. the, uh, it's it's one of these ones in a big old bottle making me look like a little Kevin Barbosa or something. <laughs> I like it. Um, but it's got this dope white fox art oh, yeah. on it that he's like half made of fur and half made of grapes. It's ah. sick. And so um, I'm starting to think that like barrels, like sour beer inside of like barrels is kind of like um, we're honing in on like what I like. And so I'm hoping that that description, it makes it so that I know that this beer is good. I got, got myself a little tulip glass mm. because um, all these sour beers were poured to me in tulip glasses. So I was like, I got to have to replicate that experience because yeah. that's probably how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and give a little wicked weed white angel a test right now. Authenticity matters on the podcast. It's just so good. Oh. It's just so good, gang. It's just like you're drinking apple juice. Wow. It's phenomenal. 10 out of 10 beer. Uh, I am rocking my Funkatorium uh, shirt, which is the name of a Wicked Weed Brewery in Asheville. I had a great time, y'all. Check them out. They have an online beer shop. Highly recommend, especially if you're into sour beers. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, I have a homemade cocktail. Uh, I was inspired to make one because I had some Midori lying around and Midori happens to be green and there's a lot of green in these scary themes. It's a, it's a, a color that gives off evilness in a lot of these animated films. And so uh, what I did was I kind of Frankenstein together a Mai Tai. So instead of using some of the sweeter ingredients, the almond syrup, the simple syrup, I replaced that with Midori. So what this is made up of is, and Midori is like a melon liqueur. So it's slightly sweet, but there is some citrus to it as I learned very quickly. So it's about three-fourths of an ounce lime juice. It's about three-fourths of an ounce Midori, two ounces of white rum, 
And then I did half an ounce of Contro to kind of also add to that citrusness, but also give it a little bit more sweetness. Shook it up in a shaker, strained it out. And I have this beautiful green looking Mai Tai because of it. I'm very excited. I, I took a sip of it already and it's a little too citrusy. I think I could have used the simple syrup and it would have balanced it out, but I highly recommend. This is delicious. Uh, I, I love it a lot. Eric and Alyssa, what do you two have over there? All right. I don't know if I've had this one on the podcast before, but uh, we have Golden State Cider today and mm. it's Jamaica flavor, but we like to call it Jamaica Juice. Jamaica Juice. Jamaica and Jamaica are spelled the same exact way. <laughs> um, and it's like a pretty pink color. So yeah, 10 out of 10. I don't want to put your business out there, but Alyssa is allergic to wheat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which means that a plant could kill her. (laughs) Theoretically, yes. (laughs) And it limits my alcohol choices. So sour beer can't relate, but I'm sure it's great. Yeah. Um, I do like to drink white claw to fancy glasses. Yes, absolutely. I'll just put a a mint leaf. (laughs) Just, just let it, just let it sit. It's a classy claw. Yeah, I did. I did not know that was white claw. I thought you made a mojito. No, it's white <laughs> claw in a fancy glass. With a <laughs> I like that. I like that. I also forgot to mention that I named my Midori Mai Tai over here. It's Maleficent's Enchantment. There you go. So she she uses that that green superpower. Great. Uh, I'm glad that we've got our drinks in hand, Chris. In order to get this bracket of sixteen, we had to interview a demographic. Who was that demographic this time around? Disney Plus is. Need you change your, I need you to change your tone when okay, we're talking about. Disney I, you Plus need to change your tone. Blockbuster Halloween picture. This spooky season was none other than Hocus Pocus 2. Yep. Uh, I made it about 15 minutes oh, into Hocus yeah, I, Pocus 2 before I became man. reviled, disgusting, physically ill, and oh, had man. to. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone. Shut the program off uh, and tune into Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad instead. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, lots of takes, lots of Hocus Pocus 2 takes flying around the internet the last uh, few days. People saying, yo, it's it's funny, it's good. And then people saying, you know what? It just didn't quite capture the magic that the original had. Uh, original never really had any magic as far say. as I'm concerned. But uh, we asked Hocus Pocus, two reviewers online, what's the scariest Walt Disney animated pictures scene? Yeah. So uh, we asked those people, we've got 16 scary Super scary Walt Disney animation studio scene, but there were tons that got left on the table. So, uh, Kyle, what do you got for scary Disney scenes that miss the dance? The first one is when Claude Frollo wants Phoebus to burn down the house of the villagers that live on like the outskirts of town. Uh, He's searching for gypsies and he's trying to uh, kill them. And he thinks that this villager is harboring gypsies underground. And so he asks Phoebus to burn down the the house. And he says no. And Frollo gets Phoebus out the house and then throws basically the torch onto the house and it goes up in flames. And just that entire exchange and the suspense is really terrifying. There's a ton of terrifying moments in Hunchback of Notre Dame. But that's one that 
really comes to mind outside of the major ones, one of which we'll talk about today. And the second one is, of course, of course, Cruella going crazy during the car chase. When she's losing her mind, she's losing her car. And we get that full screen zoom in of her eyes and they are spiraling. Uh, It's such a creepy shot and it's almost unexpected because it just kind of happens. Uh, I really like it, obviously. And I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty freaky. Chris, what are a couple for you? I've mentioned this before on this podcast. Uh, Scar's villain song, Be Prepared, <laughs> yep. was uh, a song that kept me up at night as a little kid. Uh, something about the the intensity of the song, uh, the stirring rendition by Jeremy Irons, just so creepy and sinister. Uh, something about marching, I find uh, a little bit creepy as well. But the thing that did it for me was the shadows uh, on the on the wall, just yeah. kind of like intimidating shadows, which when I was a little kid, that was a, a very scary thing for me. Um, still scary to this day, super intense, uh, super creepy, kind of shows uh, the villain's true power. One other one that we have talked about before as well, uh, the death of Dr. Facilier. Yeah. Uh, This is another one of those moments that's kind of like a slow build and becomes very overwhelming as the scene progresses. Uh, Dr. Facilier's uh, own creation, his own buddies, the friends on the other side uh, end up consuming him. He gets in just a little bit too deep, makes one deal too many, uh, and he... uh, bears the consequences of his own actions. Um, Something that I've noticed uh, that a lot of these scenes have in common is just like a lot of them are set at night, especially these kind of climactic scary moments. And so uh, that's definitely a scene, the Dr. Facilier death where that's highlighted. So we'll talk a lot more about that motif and some other scary night scenes as we go through our bracket. Eric and Alyssa, any miss the dance, scary Disney scenes you can think of? Um, When, at the end of Tarzan, I'm thinking Tarzan fighting Clayton, right? In yeah. the final scene, the the iconic uh, Clayton death scene, right? It has falling, falling <laughs> is scary. Vines. Vines, vines in the jungle. That's a theme. We'll circle back to this, but like just nature being scary, being yeah. outside. But like falling and then nature. Nighttime. Then Strangling. Nighttime. And then, yeah, the ultimate, like then someone dies. Like I remember being... <laughs> pretty messed up by that yeah another scary one i think of um aladdin the cave of wonders like escape um, yeah or just anything underground really <laughs> it's pretty scary <laughs> being trapped underground in the sand yeah a little bit creepy totally well those are we all have some really great miss the dances but there are 16 really scary scenes that we got to start talking about here so let's go ahead and cue that dramatic music Let's begin. She's a runner. She's a track star. At the number one seed, it's the Snow White forest chase scene from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In your head, zombie, zombie, zombie. Oh. Coming in at number two, from the Black Cauldron, it's the Horned King raising the army of the dead scene. Cackling its way to the three seed, is the Headless Horseman Chase from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Literally, the party rock anthem. Coming in at number four, it's the Night on Bald Mountain sequence from Fantasia. 
Hi, I'm Candlewick. Welcome to Jackass. Mewling around at the number five spot is the Pleasure Island donkey transformation scene from Pinocchio. Witch, please. Coming in at number six, it's the Evil Queen's witch transformation scene from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I would like to see the baby. Jump scaring at the seven seed is Fidget Traps Olivia scene from The Great Mouse Detective. I just met you, and this is crazy, but here's my number, so Cauldron maybe, coming in at the number eight scene, is the (laughs) Horned King's death scene from The Black Cauldron. (laughs) Entranced at the nine seed is Aurora Gets Enchanted from Sleeping Beauty. Racing into the number ten spot, it's the King Candy going turbo scene from Wreck-It Ralph. Roaring into the eleven seed is the Carnotaurus attack scene from Dinosaur. Hashtag all rise for the number 12 seed. From the Hunchback of Notre Dame, it's Frollo killing Quasimodo's mom. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Inflating at the number 13 spot is the final battle with Ursula scene from The Little Mermaid. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Coming in at number 14 from Zootopia, it's the Mr. Manchas Goes Savage scene. Nice work, Stone Daddy. Standing still at the number 15 seed is the emergence of the Droons scene from Raya and the Last Dragon. Rounding out the bracket and creeping into the number 16 spot is Belle snooping around the West Wing scene in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, so... Eric and Alyssa, any scenes here sticking out to you on our uh, list of 16? Any early favorites? Favorites? Hmm. <laughs> I don't... Oh my gosh, they're all, there's a lot of like, we, we just, we didn't watch, we weren't able to prepare much in advance, so we just watched most of these. And like, big take is like, they don't, they don't shy away some from some pretty messed up stuff like <laughs> they don't care that kids see some like gnarly s- stuff just yeah. like this like they tackle no the catholic spoilers. church <laughs> sorry we'll talk about the catholic church I'll hold on. but some gnarly stuff y'all one that i actually really like is that king candy goes turbo so we'll see how oh. really wow <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm reading the reaction i love it yeah. ichabod crane is is f- up too sorry i won't say that 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 one used to now i'm going back to like what used to scare me a lot as a kid and so i'll, I'll need to separate that from what what is like not you can take stuff. in whatever bias you want a lot of these scenes were meant to frighten kids and families so that makes a lot of sense let's <laughs> dive in chris uh i think that i will give you that first matchup if you'd like to take it would love it would love it so uh the number one seed snow white running through the forest uh, the the chase scene, it's it kind of Eric, like you're saying, like a lot of this stuff, they don't really pull any punches, and this scene is terrifying. But the craziest thing to me about it is this is like five minutes into the very first <laughs> Disney movie ever made, uh, and. If you know anything about the fairy tale genre, you know that fairy tales themselves can be quite frightening and and quite graphic as well in in what they are willing to describe. Yeah. Uh, So while I think we often have this image of Disney as this 
clean and magical and like curated reality, I guess. Uh, early Disney really didn't care. And I mean, even current Disney, they don't really care either. Uh, they will show some pretty scary, pretty serious stuff if they really feel like it. Uh, and this is, uh, this is, it's just, they get to it <laughs> right out the hop, right, right out, out the gate. Yep. Um, so I guess really minor brief, uh, surface level summary, uh, the Huntsman who yeah. I guess, I'm going to throw this out there right oh, now. Oh, uh, Huntsman, most forgettable Disney character. <laughs> I probably, probably. I, mean, I forget that he exists, but almost more. I forget what he looks like. Yeah. Every time I turn on this movie, I'm like, is he like a, a scary guy or and he's kind of like a derp looking guy? Totally. He's to me, got a sharp knife. He does have a sharp knife. <laughs> the knife is pretty sharp. And he's very afraid to use it. He looks like one of the dudes that would be part of like Lord Farquaad's posse <laughs> in Shrek, uh, where he's like kind of looks like a goofball. Chris, do you, does the pod know how much you love Shrek? Um, <laughs> I I don't know if we've really talked a whole lot about Shrek on this uh, on this pod, but uh, yeah, I mean Shrek's funny. Shrek's a little played out, I guess. No, oh. uh, the Shrek meme is, is kind of reached. The end of its service life, I think. I love uh, it. Reaching expiration. Maybe we can move on from the uh, the Shrek as a meme. But but yeah, the Huntsman definitely uh, would fit in, in a Shrek movie, I think, for sure. Uh, basically, he's he's about to murder her. Yeah. He's, about to, he's not just murder her. He's about to cut out her heart and put it in a box. In a box. And give it back to uh, to the evil queen. But he uh, ends up like coming to his senses, I guess. And he's like, girl, you got to get out of here. Run. You better dip. Run for step mama, Stepmama coming for you real uh, quick. So Snow White takes the hint and she just she just starts booking it through the forest. And as she's booking it, uh, there's just some scary stuff. Like she just starts seeing faces in trees and uh, the, the logs in the river turn into wooden crocodiles. Yep. Uh, and there's just a lot of really creepy imagery. Uh, if you've ever been on the Snow White Scary Adventure attraction, you know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Music was, is intense. Editing <laughs> is intense. And the ride was so scary that they had to, to retreat it a little bit. Even it's, as uh, it's, of two years ago. It's a historically significant uh, Disney moment for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, going up against Belle, snoop around the West Wing. Whoa, Snoopy, Snoopy, Snoop. <laughs> Belle. That's a B and E. Can we talk about a, the B and E that she, right? She she broke and entered. No. <laughs> at the beginning, she she B and E'd to save her daddy, and then at this part, she is, I guess, pulling a B and E to the West Wing. Right. She's she's <laughs> she was definitely. Told not to go. Yeah. Yeah, she's snooping for sure, but like Beast didn't really create many barriers that she needed to get through. Oh, it was like door the door was unlocked. open. Yeah, like <laughs> it does. It's not that hard, man. Just locked. just lock the door. Yeah, come on. If you don't want her in there, lock the door. And and like he's got this rose that is allegedly super vulnerable, like. It its leaves fall over time, but I guess the idea is that like if you touch it, it also can like fall. And so, why would you like put it by a window where like any? <laughs> I would put it inside several closets, inside several more closets. All right. Let me put my rose into a safe. How about? 
so that I make sure no one can touch it. Yeah, you could at least screw the you could like screw the glass on the bottom part, like unless so not just up. <laughs> yeah, unless he's too afraid to to tamper with it, and any movement might right. make a petal fall. So he has to Maybe. kind of put Maybe. a little glass dome over it and just hope for the best until and not lock the door though. <laughs> right. So so what's scary? What's scary about this scene? Um, we kind of are relating to Belle in this moment because she's our hero and we're kind of sort trying to figure out what she's figuring out at the same time. It's like there's something more going on with the beast. What is it? What is yeah, it? Suspense uh, she, a little bit. She, yeah, she finds his uh, his portrait. I guess she she assumes it's his portrait. It doesn't say He's like, like, ooh. There's not, <laughs> there, there's not an arrow that says like, this is me. I used Don't to be beast. hot. <laughs> the beast. The beast in parentheses me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the scary element is that like this room is wrecked. Like it is in pieces. Things are busted up. Uh, there's scratch marks, claw marks, uh, things have been torn to bits and you just know that that was the beast uh, and that he, in some fit of rage, he destroyed this beautiful library space uh, and the West Wing is is hosting this vulnerable flower, but um, surrounding it is is just chaos, which is kind of a metaphor of like the beast's heart and like that's the movie, but um, there's a lot of tension oh. here. <laughs> that's there, nice. There, there's a lot of tension here because uh, Belle is this kind of innocent bystander, uh, and I don't think she really understands what's at stake yet. And so we're fearful because we don't want her to get caught uh, in the crossfire. There's that element, and then the beast confronts her, and that is scary. Uh, the beast is a scary guy. Uh, he yells at her and says, what are you doing, you stupid idiot? I hate you. Um, and and sh- it's a fit of rage, and beast mm-hmm. is a scary guy, and, and she runs away. He says, go home, never come back here, and she does. All in all, a pretty scary scene, um, but I don't think as scary as the uh, Snow White forest scene. Uh, I think there's still kind of an element of of goodness, I guess, going on in this Bell and Beast scene. We know what's going on with the Beast, even though Bell doesn't. Uh, we're kind of in Bell's shoes, not necessarily trying to escape the situation, but we're just trying to get more knowledge. Whereas, like in the Snow White scene, there's like a real sense of urgency, and like yep. you're like we need to get out of here now. Yeah. Uh, and, and I definitely like that a lot on top of the fact that just like the imagery is, is great. Uh, all of that tree, scary tree art, uh, is just so good. Uh, so I got the number one seed moving on here. There's a Kevin Hart bit from one of his standups where he's like, nothing scarier than when you're running away from an event and it feels like something's reaching on the back of your neck. <laughs> he like, he's doing this as he's talking about, he thought a gorilla escaped from the zoo while he was like taking his kids to the zoo. And so he ran and he was like, I could feel the fingers on my neck. That's what Snow White's forest chase feels like to me, where mm-hmm. it feels like we are not only her, but we feel like she is about to get captured by whatever she's running from the imminent danger has just let her go but still 
there's a chase to be had. And it's it's terrifying. I agree with you. Uh, this number one seed has to move along. Eric and Alyssa, any issues with Snow White taking down Belle here? No, I just wanted to add that scene is like what my dreams are like a lot of the time. Yeah, Alyssa has some messed up I have dreams. like She'll wake up and tell dream. me them. I don't want to hear <laughs> oh. your dreams. I'm also afraid of them. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's pretty scary because I live that too in my dream. <laughs> I feel like the thing on the neck too, like we're going to come back to that for Ichabod Crane. Because like you see a lot of that, like you're like, oh, it's about to get you. And yeah, we scary. spend about 10 minutes with him feeling that. <laughs> Uh, before things go down all right let's move on to this next matchup it's number eight the horned king's death from the black cauldron verse number nine aurora gets enchanted from sleeping beauty chris you still haven't seen black cauldron but i will assume that you watched the the clips for this bracket. I made it about an oh, you hour. Watched? Yeah, I made it about Whoa. an hour into the movie. And okay. I was fully prepared to be a contrarian. Uh, you know, like I like Brave. Like I think Brave's a pretty good movie. And yeah. universally it's like regarded as one of the worst Pixar movies. So I was ready to be like, I'm about to go into Black Cauldron. I'm about to be obsessed with Black Cauldron. I know it. And yeah. it was just so it wasn't so bad it's good, and it's no. just not good. Like it's just yeah. really kind of a super generic brand vanilla animated movie that yeah. really doesn't scream Disney and it just feels kind of uninspired. So for those who haven't seen it, here's like your two sentence rundown. A boy with his farmer overseer realizes that this evil villain, the Horn King has risen and he's after a relic well, it turns out the farmer has a pig that can see the relic, <laughs> magical pig. And so the pig tells our main character, Taryn, where this relic is. And so Taryn goes on an adventure with the princess, Henwen, to try no, and... No, the, the pig's name is Henwen. Sorry, sorry. The pig's name is Henwen. It might as well be. It might as well It might as well be. Because the princess, like... Her, her name is like Idlewild or something. It's, Idlewise? No, yeah, one of the two. I don't think it's that. No, Elonway is what her name is. Yeah, the, Elon Musk? Elon Musk. <laughs> I think it's... She goes on it's, to buy Twitter for $44 billion. <laughs> uh, Along the journey, counters the princess. They're trying to stop the Horn King. A lot of mischief happens in between. We have Disney's... Jar Jar Binks in this film. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to go ahead and watch it for that, you can. It's an awful movie. But the villain's terrifying. The Horn King yes. is this skull demon dude who wants to rise these warriors from the dead after he sacrifices a soul to the Black Cauldron. That gives him the power to bring this army back to life. And they're invincible. He can do whatever he wants with them. So... Him achieving that and him dying happens in about three minutes. So that tells you what this film is. He like rises them. There's a cut scene and then the plan goes wrong and he gets sucked into the cauldron. And we're talking about the scene in which he gets sucked into the cauldron. Uh, so Horn King has brought the army back to life and they start marching and they've they've been marching. We'll talk about them marching in a little bit because there's some of that on this bracket still. But they start dying again. 
and they're they're falling and he's like oh the cauldron must need some more juice they need some more <laughs> living body juice and he grabs his little minion and he's like oh it's going to, and it's going to be you so they walk over to the cauldron and Taryn's there being an idiot holding onto the wall almost also getting sucked into this malfunctioning cauldron which is engulfing everything that's around it uh, they have a little goofy battle and the horn king <laughs> stumbles backwards and gets sucked into the cauldron and that's his death. But the scary thing about this scene is his death itself. Yes. Uh, yeah. when, when he gets sucked in sorry, there's a Maleficent enchantment uh, burp there. <laughs> Once he gets sucked in he is that it's that Indiana Jones thing where he his like yes. body like dissolves yes. into the cauldron, even though he's a skeleton to begin with. That's the part I was confused about because I thought he was a skeleton the whole time. Right. <laughs> his skin came off to expose yes, another skeleton same. layer underneath him. Yes, he's like right. a, he's like a cheesy gordita crunch. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Bell needs uh they should have had the partnership with Disney at that time that is the Cheesy Gordita Crunch uh branded Horn King edition. <laughs> it's a it's a soft taco soft taco <laughs> shell uh, wrapped around a hard shell taco. Yeah. <laughs> That's the skin of the Horn King wrapped around his bones. That's exactly what it is. You're yeah. so oh. you're you're so right. So that that soft flour tortilla gets ripped off of the hard shell and sucked into the cauldron and he's he's disappearing. But once he hits that cauldron, there's this like combustion that comes up and this flame and in the flame is this ghostly face and then it kind of disappears and that's the scene and so like it's a really graphic and brutal scene which is what doomed black cauldron from the start and i'll talk about it when we talk about the next clip from this film um but to to kill him in this way and take so much time to do it like he could have gotten sucked in and then like the poof could have happened but we see his non-existent flesh get ripped off that's a that's that's pretty scary. It's up against the enchantment of Aurora and I've talked about this scene before on this podcast because it's not just a scene in which Aurora herself is kind of mesmerized. I feel like the audience very much is as well. Uh so this happens when Aurora is told that she can't marry Prince Philip, but it's really Prince Philip who she's supposed to marry. And it, there's this miscommunication. Everybody's upset. And so Aurora is crying. The fairies leave the, the room and Maleficent shows up and she turns into this. She shows up in the fireplace, first of all, and not only just shows up in the fireplace, it's just her silhouette and her glowing eyes behind the fire. What? Scary. That, that element, I feel like, is so subtle that it's easy to miss. Dude. I'm glad you brought that up because I've never noticed it <laughs> until watching it for this bracket. And I didn't even catch it the first time I was like watching it. And I was like, oh, a green orb shows up in the fireplace. And then I was like, what, what, wait a minute. Rewound. And I was like, oh, <laughs> Maleficent is in the shadows of the fire waiting, puts it out, turns in herself into this uh, green orb. Terrifying. It's such a good good scene 
Uh, she turns into this orb and lures Aurora into the fireplace, which she has opened up into a staircase. She spirals up a a tower with this very ominous music, and she's slowly making her way up the tower as we're going with her. Eventually, the green orb turns into this spindle that she needs to prick her finger to like kill herself when she's 16, uh, as the prophecy of Maleficent had did had said when she cursed uh, baby Aurora uh, for not being invited to the birthday party. And she does. She dies. Maleficent shows up because the the fairies have shown up as well. And she's like, here's your princess. And she (laughs) reveals Aurora like sprawled on the ground. And it's that goofy office like camera work where it like (laughs) zooms in and bounces on Aurora being like sprawled out. Yeah. Unfortunately, we live in the internet age, so that scene has like been made into memes in the past, and and our our minds are tainted. But you can't help but give it a little bit of a chuckle. Uh, Maleficent claims herself as the mistress of evil, and then goes away, and Aurora is dead until the fairies enchant Philip's sword. So that's that scene. In the in this matchup, it's. So difficult because one, Sleeping Beauty is a is a gorgeously animated film, and they're able to portray suspense in such a great way in this scene. The Horn King's death is like shock scary, where it's something that maybe you don't expect, especially because I don't know, he's a skeleton. So you don't expect his flesh to be ripped off, let alone him to then burst into a kind of flame of of a face at the camera so this is a this feels like very much a a true eight nine matchup here for me uh i think that i have to i think that part of part of the scariness is also being convinced that in this world this this could happen at that moment and for me that's the enchantment of aurora it feels like in the film, uh, The Black Cauldron, that scene is super scary, but we also just encountered arguably a little bit more of a scary scene. And then immediately the Horn King got took in. <laughs> While here we have this suspenseful, drawn out scene. We get the scare in the fireplace with Maleficent. We get Maleficent appearing. We get a dead person at the very end. It just feels like the... I don't know. It just feels scarier for a longer period of time as opposed to what we get out of the Horn King dying. So I'm going to go with the Enchantment of Aurora number nine moving on. Yeah, I think these are kind of opposite scenes in the way that they're like like my reaction to them where the Aurora scene it's got that nice suspense leading up to like the climactic moment. And then the climactic moment is super boring. It's like <laughs> she goes boop, and like, that's it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but the horn King, it's opposite. Kyle, you mentioned that there was some type time, type of like scuffle yeah. between Taryn and the horn King. I don't know <laughs> if so I missed lame. that. I don't know if I missed the scuffle, but it felt like, uh, to me, what I remember was Taryn was like laying on the ground and the Horn King just like wasn't really trying to not get sucked in by the cauldron. <laughs> he in. It was it was right before him trying to not get sucked into it. Uh, there's like a, a very brief 
this whole scene is only a matter of 90 seconds, right? So there's a brief scuffle right before he like is just trying to not get sucked in. He didn't seem like he was trying very hard. The, the movie the wasn't thing. trying very hard. This is, a, <laughs> this is a bad movie. But I am glad that you brought up the uh, Raiders of the Lost Art comparison because yeah. that was my immediate reaction uh, as well. Like... Um, just kind of a, a graphic an unexpectedly graphic uh, <laughs> moment in a movie that to this point has only sort of been jarring. Right. Um, so I, I think if we were talking about like scariest Disney shot or like craziest Disney shot, like we might be talking about the horn King dying. Uh, but I think I'm agreeing with you. If we're talking about the scene as a whole, I think uh, from an artistic perspective, the Sleeping Beauty scene is a little bit more horrifying, a little bit more suspenseful. So I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to move on the uh, the lower ranked seed here. Number nine, Aurora gets enchanted from Sleeping Beauty. Moving on, Eric and Alyssa, do we agree with that choice? Yeah, I think your your debates swayed me. I mean... Oh. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled about either of them TBH both kind of like like not really feeling it for either one but um I guess I also missed that detail you mentioned Kyle with the eyes and the orb so maybe I just wasn't watching closely enough but that but the scuffle was so lame so <laughs> I don't understand he he knew that the cauldron had a force and was pulling people why was he anywhere near the like force field he it was almost like he walked into he was like Oops. it's like he yeah it's like he did a thing like he yeah. walked into his death it was but you're right like it was shocking like our number two seed um well I'll, I'll wait I'll save my comments about black culture but like if y'all know anyone who sleepwalks um the number nine aurora gets enchanted was reminding me just of like people who did my brother gets sleepwalking my, is that too much it's just enough he sleepwalks so like i was immediately like the eyes right? yep the eyes yep the eyes were messed up and i was like i don't like that that's like too it's unsettling right it's like unsettling you're uncomfortable you're kind of uncomfy but the the shock the brutality of of Black Cauldron. There's a better scene. We'll get there. All right. Next matchup. The number four seed Night on Bald Mountain scene from Fantasia versus number 13, the final battle with Ursula scene from The Little Mermaid. Now, this is probably my favorite matchup. Uh, this is a good one to talk about. Here. This one's a really good one. Now, Night on Bald Mountain, I feel like we've talked about several times on this bracket, and we have talked about it very recently because the Chernabog was on our best or our biggest Disney badasses bracket. Yeah. Um, and we basically talked about him being a badass just based on his, on his muscle mass. Baby. Oh, oh, I was thinking on. that Jesus. for a different category. <laughs> if you know what I mean. She, she found that she like, likes stoned, like stone, stone body. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Can't wait until we talk about stone yes. daddy. Yeah, she likes a stone daddy. Sorry, go on. He's got that body. Cherna, yep. Cherna, Daddy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My my off season goal is to come to spring training as jacked as the Chernabog. Like that's just a fact. Okay. Um, we'll track it. Yeah. So uh, the other like defining we'll keep, feature. We'll track of, it closely. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the other defining feature of the Chernabog is that he's like a turn boy too. Like he's just trying to start a party here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But before we get there, I, I want to kind of mention the language that the conductor uses to introduce this scene. Thank you. Is, I wrote um, it. I wrote it all down. Go ahead. It Just is lead very, us through it. I cut off some of the kind of extraneous stuff, but yeah. left kind of the essentials. So he says it's a compil. So the night on Bald Mountain sequence, which is the final sequence of Fantasia, like this is how they're trying to send us home from the theater <laughs> in what nineteen forty whatever. Yeah. The gun director says our final uh, sequence is a compilation of two pieces of music that are, quote, different in construction and mood. Night on Bald Mountain by Russian composer Modest Mussorgsky. Sure. Russia's very scary, obviously. (laughs) Um, And uh, Franz Schubert's Ave Maria. Uh, so he says musically and dramatically, we have a picture of the struggle between the profane and the sacred bald mountain. According to tradition is the gathering place of Satan and his followers Mm. here on Walpurgis night, which is the equivalent of our Halloween, the creatures of evil gather to worship their master. Mm. And that is this scene. Uh, and, and that description alone makes it, so horrifying, so scary, right? Like nothing against, you know, church of Satan and, uh, that kind of stuff, but, uh, makes me scared. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. So Chernabog, it's nighttime. So Chernabog's like, all right, it's time to party, baby. Uh, his shadow goes over various destinations in this village, uh, which is basically the shadow is the calves are here, uh, signaling all the dead people that you know, it's time to party, baby. Let's go. It's t-shirt time. So, <laughs> Um, basically they rise from the ground, uh, white Walker style and, and they go to the mountain and they go to party. And something I like is that all of these like undead, you kind of get, you cover the spectrum of like scary creatures. You've got some imps, you've got some ghosts, you've got some goblins, skeletons, zombies, dementors which is like any kind of creature that you might be afraid of uh, that is kind of like classically thought about as like a haunted house type character. Like it's in Chernabog's posse. Totally. He's got one. Totally. And so uh, they get to the party. They start throwing down. Um, I think like the part that stands out the most to me is when the Chernabog kind of has um, the people in his hands and they start out they're these hotties. They're literal <laughs> hotties. They are flame women. It was dancing. sexual. Yeah. Very, very sexual. Uh, and then he turns them into like farm animals and then he like turns them into like little imps. Uh, and so like that's scary on its own, but it's like this idea that like the Chernobog is this all powerful, like Satan creature who in the palm of his hand he can mold you into whatever he wants you to be. Right. Uh, and so you can obviously like extrapolate that metaphor out into like anything bad in the world that might consume a person, you know, like if you give yourself to that thing, it has total control over you. Um, so that scary, <laughs> um, church bells ring which is basically the closing time of uh, night on bald mountain yep. uh, parties over. <laughs> literally Church bells are scary. I'm sorry. I have to say it. Church bells are very spooky. Uh, and we'll talk about you. Like, <laughs> definitely. So like the church bells ring and then Chernobyl goes to sleep. And then we like cut for like four minutes to these like 
hooded people with like torches uh, <laughs> marching in formation and chanting. Like, okay, so so you're telling me that those people are less scary than like the topless women partying in their own homes? Like, <laughs> whose party do I want to go to right now? Seriously. Yeah, which which at, party? Hey, at Cherny's, I got a little titty into the face. <laughs> I didn't get some Gregorian chants. I mean, to be honest, though, like, you know, boobs in your face, they could be scary depending on the situation. <laughs> like, not everyone's ready for something like that. Sure, um, sure, sure. At sure. any moment. Sure, sure, um, sure. And they are, they do very aggressively come at the screen. Yeah. At Chernobog's oh. party. Like, yeah. it's not like, and oh, okay, there's once. some boobs there. It's like, it's like, hope you're ready for some boobs because bam, they're in your face. Because <laughs> we got about four of them that are going to come into your TV screen right now. You've got all the stylistic elements that make a scene scary. It's intense. Uh, the the score obviously is is very famous. Quick editing, um, dark, lots of like reds, blacks, oranges, colors that are traditionally associated with terror. So that's the night on Bald Mountain. Uh, going up against Ursula and the final battle. I mean, this is such a great final battle scene, and I don't think I'm quite as high on the Little Mermaid as a lot of people are, just in general. But I definitely kind of slept on this climax for sure. Um, the whole thing really starts with Ursula transforming back into her like octopus self. Yeah. Um, which is scary in its own right. But but it's like that Cruella shot. You've got the Ursula shot where she's like crawling towards mm-hmm. the screen. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, more, boobs. more boobs. More boobs. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> she's a very booby lady. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me of like um, the grudge or right. like uh, the ring, you know, like the scary little creatures like crawling at you. Freaky. Yes. Thousand percent. Uh, Triton gets transformed into a little worm guy. Gets to keep his mustache. So he maintains <laughs> some sense of That's like good. his own personality. Oh, well, but uh, transformation scary, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. One of my, like, biggest fears as a little kid was transformation. Whether it was me getting transformed into something or other people getting transformed into something. I had a dream when I was probably three years old (laughs) that my brother got turned into a rock. Um, But he could, like, he could, like, still communicate and he still had some, like, facial features. And I woke up and I was like, that. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, And, like, from that moment on, like, the idea of, like, being transformed i just hated it and Ugh. so uh you've got that element in this in this scene uh as triton gets uh, gets transformed uh and it's also like from a from a filmmaking perspective uh the all is lost moment is is great here because they let the villain win like mm-hmm. ursula gets the crown she gets the trident like that was her goal in the movie the um aladdin does something very similar when jafar maintains control of the genie at the end of that movie uh, just so great. Like, take your make your hero lose, but then you take it just that extra step further, where you go, "All right, she's a giant ass creature <laughs> yeah. now. Like, there's no way that we can win. Like, this movie's over. Like, yep. we're all we're dead. We're all dead. Totally. Uh, and that makes the scene so scary. I like that a lot. Also, the element of the ocean. Uh, it's like, shoot, I think it's artistic, man, because the little mermaid, the whole movie, the ocean has been this like fun, beautiful, light, bright, colorful place. And then like the exact same location, make it 
dark. Mm-hmm. It gives us some rain, some lightning, some waves. This this place that is the exact same place becomes a place of fear, a place of terror. And I mean, that's the power of the ocean in real life. But they they make it really stand out in this in this finale moment where the ocean can be your friend, but it can also be your enemy. So I think that's really cool. Um, I have to tip my cap to this little mermaid scene. It's so good, but I have to give it to the night on bald mountain just because of the, uh, the thematic elements, the, the good versus evil, the man versus God, the, um, villain versus, I guess the monster, like in a, in a horror movie, the monster is in direct opposition to like order. Yeah. And so like the Chernabog, I said this, I think in the badass bracket, like the Chernabog raising people from the dead is a defiance of nature. It's a defiance of order. It's a defiance of God. And like that is terrifying. So, um, I think it's, it's just a classic example of the horror genre, what it is, why it works. So I have a night on bald mountain for sure. I really like the little mermaid scene towards the end as Ursula is like rising up and we get that shot from like below her. And so the light and the lightning is kind of shadowing her face and giving her this very like ominous look. We know it's Ursula, obviously, but it's this next uh, evolution of Ursula that we get where she doesn't even quite look like herself. She even looks more powerful by the shot and the lighting that they give her. Disney does that a lot with a lot of these scenes where they they add some shadowing to really make that ominous feel come through but they do it very well here with ursula who we've kind of seen as like a flat character throughout she's always just been like the same shade she hasn't had she's had like a shape but not much depth to her and then all of a sudden here she is and she's terrifying i'm with you like transformation terrifying I, I hated it and I'll be able to talk about it soon because transformation or, or becoming something else in which you don't have the the human qualify the human traits to communicate with other humans was something that I was very afraid of growing up as a kid and it still is pretty terrifying like you you don't want to lose that at all um but the the thing that really makes us kind of goofy is uh, Prince Eric stabbing her with a ship mast <laughs> <laughs> as the kill shot. Uh, it's terrifying that she, how she dies and sinks back into the ocean. Her tentacles are quivering and, and the curling as she sinks to the bottom. But it's just such a, anything with Prince Eric is super goofy. It's really hard to take <laughs> that prince seriously. So I, I think I'm going to agree with you. I, there was a lot much, there's much more scary scary content out of Chernobog where you didn't know when it was going to end and it kept somewhat getting creepier and creepier from the souls rising to the like ghostly figures flying at the screen like I'm sure especially in the 40s that was something that was a little bit shocking and terrifying to be in a dark theater for with the Fanta sound that accompanied Fantasia with the sound all around them so I'm gonna go with uh Night on Bald Mountain as well. Eric and Alyssa, any issue there with downing the Little Mermaid? 
I was rooting for Little Mermaid. Yeah. Not going to lie. That was scarier to me because Night on Bald Mountain, I was like, this is kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like I want to be there. Totally. Well, we were talking about how we appreciated the art of it, too. Like, it's really mm. phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. I think Animation. they use the like three pane glass thing where like, I don't know, they're doing a lot of animation tricks, which was cool. But I think what wasn't scary about it was the music that accompanied it that made it feel like safe. So ah. I was like, okay, this is artistic and like relaxing sure. <laughs> versus Little Mermaid. It was like really intense and everyone's going to die kind of thing. But, you know, let's keep talking about I ju- it. I just have a question. Um, in your in your recurring nightmare, Chris, was it your brother was transformed into the rock or a rock? <laughs> I, I, neither is good. I understand you want your brother, but like, I'm just like, if it's like yeah. a... Uh, like a reversal situation and you get the rock for a little bit and then it comes back and it's your brother. Uh, it was a straight up uh, Olmec moment. Uh, my brother, be, I think I think I had been watching a lot of Legends of the Hidden Temple and that's kind of where uh, where the, the the overlap kind of happened. But uh, but no, I wish it was Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That sounds dope. That's Scorpion King era, right? Yeah. It was like fresh off WWE. <laughs> Not, a, not annoying yet. Okay. Not, go. <laughs> not the superstar yet. All right. Let's talk about this last matchup on the side of the brackets. The number five pleasure Island donkey transformation from Pinocchio versus the number 12 Frollo kills Quasi's mom from the hunchback in Notre Dame. A lot of darkness in hunchback of Notre Dame. We talked about it in the best villain song. We talked about it in the best villain, uh, Frollo and everything around him is very scary and it's very dark and terrifying. This film opens up uh, with the telling of how Quasi ended up in Notre Dame and it's a it's a chase sequence. We have Frollo intercepting these gypsies that are seeking refugee and Quasi's mom makes a run for it uh, with the baby and she's running, she's running. We get some shots of Frollo on his horse with his like sword and and the horse's face is that like that that black horse with the red eyes and it's breathing really heavily super scary any any being chased by anything non-human is terrifying and especially if you are in a already super tense position like quasi's mom was where she is seeking safety but encountering danger at the shores of what is supposed to be safety, right? And so she's taken off running. She gets caught uh, as she's trying to seek refuge from the the church, and she's banging on the door seeking sanctuary. And Frollo rolls up on this horse, man, and just kicks her in the chest. And down she goes and and smacks that head on those stairs, and, and she's dead. Night, night. Night, night, <laughs> forever. Quasi's so mom. Uh, he grabs the baby, and the priest is like, "You gonna do it under the freaking the saints watching you right now, dude? You, <laughs> yeah. gonna, you gonna do this?" And he's like, "I'm gonna do this." Walks over to the well, and he's like, "I wouldn't do that. They're looking at you." And we get this shot of the cathedral's uh, facade looking down on 
Frollo and their eyes are those like almost like their Aurora eyes where they're just like these piercing wide eyed tiny people staring down at Frollo and he decides not to kill Quasi and then then he reveals his plan for Quasi where he's like I have a job for him and I'm gonna keep him locked up forever scary up against Pleasure Island's donkey transformation so Gemini rolls up on Pleasure Island because he's like yo where's my where's my boy right now and uh, he sees that the a carriage driver is loading up a bunch of donkeys onto a ship. Uh, if the donkey talks, is, is is talking, he throws them into a separate pen. If they're not, he throws them onto the boat and the and into crates that are destined for the circus, for the zoo, different destinations. Jiminy's like, "Wow, that's kind of weird. Uh, why is why is he shipping donkeys off this island?" Turns out, we we get back into the billiards hall and. Candlewick is turning into a donkey in front of Pinocchio's eye. So I I think his name's Candlewick in the book, but I think he's oh. a Lampwick in the movie. <laughs> well, we're calling him Candlewick from here on out. Because <laughs> I already made the intro and his name was Candlewick. And you only read the book. You don't watch the movie. I Yeah, I get, Chris, that you don't read the book, but I read the book. <laughs> hey, book. <laughs> <laughs> so Lampwick is turning into a... Um, into a donkey. Pinocchio thinks that he's hallucinating off that beer, that strong barrel aged ale that he's sipping on. So he's pushing it aside. He's throwing his cigar away. But uh, Lampwick is turning into a donkey. And as the sequence goes on, Lampwick is freaking out. And the most terrifying moment to me is when we get the shot of his hands turning into hooves. I hate that shot in this scene <laughs> he's like grabbing pinocchio's vest like help me help me and his hands turn into hooves and he can't grab anymore and he's turning fully into a donkey uh he's screaming for his mom which turns into the screen like the the hee-haws of a donkey pinocchio is able to escape with jim and he jumps off a cliff and he's in the water and he's safe so that's the scene i don't I understand that killing Quasi's mom is scary. The being chased is scary. But the thought of being turned into a donkey for that long and seeing what the end result is at the beginning of this scene. So not only are we like, oh, no. Oh, the, the talk, talking. Oh, no. These kids got turned into donkeys and then see it with the hooves scariest. Number two scariest <laughs> shot is his transformation in the shadow where he's turning into the donkey and it's just that by the, the candlelight shadow. Hate it. Scary. I think this is a terrifying scene. I'm going with this one over uh, Frollo killing Quasi's mom. <laughs> what do you think ends up happening to the little kid donkeys that can still talk? Yeah, I was... <laughs> oh, because no. the donkeys, the, the kids that have gone full donkey, there is a sign that says to the salt mine and a sign yeah. that says to the circus. Right now, I don't think I've ever been to a circus, so I don't know what roles donkeys have at circuses. You don't want to know. But there's the there's the little kid. What's his name? Like Andrew or something? Um, Alexander. 
my name's Alexander and I want my mama or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you can still talk. Put him over there. And so there's like all these little donkeys that are calling for their moms. So like what happens to those kids? Do they just wait for the transformation to complete or do they like chop them up? Like what do they do? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It felt like they were put into a pen to wait for their transformation to complete. But maybe if it never happens, they work in the salt mines where no one is going to go venture and find them. Hmm. Okay. Um, also a question regarding the donkeys uh, and the physics behind them. <laughs> the root beer is it, or the beer? Is it the beer that makes them donkeys or is it just the like revelry and like ego that makes them donkeys? Because Pinocchio drank the beer. So why does he only halfway turn into a donkey? Because he's only halfway a boy. Hmm. Wow. Yep. Yep. That's deep. Okay, but so you never does, go full donkey. You never go full donkey. <laughs> does Pinocchio's donkey ears sprout out of his real ears or does he have four <laughs> ears question. now? Good question. Good question. Good question. I think it's his real out of his I real ears. I'm asking, I can't remember. Oh, so only the parts that are real turn into donkey parts. So oh, were questions. his do does he have so real, he ears real ears on his puppet body? So he he sprouts donkey ears out of his real ears so so oh, then his, where does his tail come from? so he has where a his real tail human tailbone uh, yeah, his ass <laughs> he has a fleshy boy ass uh, <laughs> and he has fleshy ears and those are his two boy parts that he has yes his body yes uh kyle yeah the idea of getting trapped inside like being aware of I guess your transformation is like an additional element. Like it's one thing to like become a donkey, but then you're just a donkey now. And like, you don't really have any awareness anymore other than like your natural donkey instincts. But like to be, to have a human brain and a donkey body, like that's pretty sketch. Yeah, for sure. The, the Frollo scene, um, dude, (laughs) he reminds me of Thanos. Yeah, in I mean, the scene, you know how when Wanda comes up to Thanos and he's like, she's like, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> that is like Claude Frollo and Quasimodo's mom. She's like, oh, it's Claude Frollo. He's so scary. And he like kills her in such like a nonchalant like way and just doesn't care. It's like, that's like Thanos. Status. Yes, uh, you're right. It's like, totally. hey. All rise for number 62 I guess, for, for the judge. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's as, as my baseball joke for the day. There it is. Um, he <laughs> even says like my conscience is clear. He's like, I did it. I do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Catholic guilt though. <laughs> Heavy. I mean, who's the real monster here? (laughs) Uh, No, clearly it's Claude Frollo for like killing a person, but it's interesting the way that this horrible person is given such a quick and effective heat check by, by Catholic guilt. And like, that is why I really like uh, the themes of Hunchback of Notre Dame. I think it's definitely an underrated movie. I don't know that it's as underrated as people say that it is, but the thing I like most about it is that kind of dance um, around kind of like the church and the um, the 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 non churchies. What do they call them? What do they call them? Uh, the secular. Secularists. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like. 
I get a, I get, uh, I get big, like we're handling it internally vibes from, uh, <laughs> from that church guy. Who's like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta do a bunch of hail Marys and yep. you gotta, you know, hang out with him and he's your boy now. <laughs> it's like, okay, you just murdered someone and they're basically like, you know what? We'll take care of it. It's all right. Mm-hmm. We got mm-hmm. this handled. Don't need to report this, right? No, of course not. Uh, some other moments that make the scene really scary for me, the Latin choir yes, in the background. Absolutely. So very scary. intense, very intense. Um, and also I don't want to understate the fact that judge Claude Frollo is riding on this horse. The horse um, scary. The horse is scary, but it makes him scarier because judge Claude Frollo is not a very physically intimidating specimen where a lot of Disney villains use their size um, as kind of their like main attribute that makes them scary, like Hades or like Gaston. Judge Claude Frollo is like a master manipulator. And so the fact that he is able to tame this like badass, black, beautiful, uh, fierce horse, it's like you automatically know that that guy has to be more sketchy than this horse uh, <laughs> to get to get it to, to like obey him. So I think that's kind of a really, a really cool, like subtle element there. I am going with Judge Claude Frollo. Ah. I mean, I think this is a really uh, good character, uh, a really good moment, like a great villain intro. We've talked about it before. Um, I think it, I, I think it, it makes me a little bit more scared. Like my own kind of fears are coming out a little bit more. I know that I probably will never be transformed into a donkey in my life, but I know that I may have to face a megalomaniac <laughs> like Judge Claude Frollo in real life. So I'm going with the 12 seed. We've got our first tiebreaker. Listen, Eric, it's all on you. Yeah. I, I vote for Frollo personally and only because, well, not only because it was a scary scene, but the music is what really drove it home for me. And, um, oh, I forget what the name of the Latin song was, but it's the same. It's the song that's always playing when someone's about to die. And it's the song used in Stranger, or not Stranger Things, in Squid Game that dun, 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 dun. It's the... Oh. Adis, uh, I can't remember the freaking Latin, but it basically means like death. And those notes are so like iconic that I have to just vote for that because that is always in every scary movie. The one in Squid Games is like a little, like it's a slight variation of it, but I watched like a TikTok about that and could not unhear it when I saw that scene. So I vote for Frollo. This one's hard because like the donkey scene is so messed up. Like when you, you it's unnerving. You know when you know what the donkeys are, you're like, oh, this is child trafficking ring or Mm -hmm. child enslavement. Like Mm -hmm. those, those. I'm gonna go on the record that child trafficking and child (laughs) enslavement is bad and scary. Yeah. Um, I agree though. Like Frollo, when like the baby and the like, the wells are scary. Wells are scary. Wells are pretty scary. Like, and the idea of just like this person, this all powerful, like religious figure, just kind of just drop this baby and slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah, Scary. It was so heartless and so scary. Right. They're both pretty heartless. I think there's something. I hear you so much though, Kyle, about the, the transformation, the donkeys. Like, there's a lot of like, you see the just like recklessness of donkeys too. Just like they. Uh, um i don't know I, there's something dark about this right the like 
the idea that these the the gypsies or the romans that they're inferior there's just like this layers to this movie that are, are so creepy um I, I'm, I'm here for the upset I'll, I'll stand by it all right judge claude frollo murdering quasi's mom moves on <laughs> Let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. Number two, the Horn King raising his army of the dead from the Black Cauldron versus the emergence of the Druids from Raya and the Last Dragon. This one's pretty easy for me. Uh, it's Horn King raising the army of the dead. Uh, he gets possession of the Black Cauldron and he activates it. He does the thing that he had planned to do. Uh, pretty morbid. Uh, the Horn King has like a collection of dead soldiers like in his basement uh i guess whenever there's like a battle or something he goes and like scoops up all the corpses and he's kept them all these years and waited for this very moment uh, and he brings them all back to life which is so scary so sketch uh in raya if you don't remember the scene uh ba uh the dad raya's dad is like trying to have like a peacemaking session with all of the members of uh Kamandra. and uh they end up like fighting and they break this orb and then the drones uh the drones come out to play and the drones are like the physical embodiment of like despair and like hopelessness and so right. there are these big purple clouds and the dad and Raya run away from them. And that's kind of the scene. Uh, definitely kind of like a high stakes moment. I would say it's more sad than scary just in the way that it's animated. Um, it kind of feels more like a character moment than anything. Uh, I will say the very first guy that gets like wrecked yeah. by yeah. the drones, like yeah. this guy, yeah. it's kind of like Horn King status where you're like, Oh, Oh, mm-hmm. like that was, was kind of messed up like that guy tried to fight that purple cloud and he just like did not stand a chance at all did he uh so i think that would probably be the only scary moment that i'd pull out of that moment um and i don't even think they really die right there they just get turned into statues until kumandra is established so i got the horn king raising the army i th- i think that them being turned to statues is also terrifying it's that transformation thing like theoretically if we know that these statues can come back to life then are they just existing but unable to move they're just there that's kind of a terrifying thought yeah but like as viewers of the movie we know that they're going to probably get turned back (laughs) Um, sure whereas little kid donkeys from pinocchio whatever happened to those guys yeah, yeah, they might. Uh, Lampwick might still be a donkey. He probably is, deservedly so. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one deserves that. Uh, I I agree with you though. The drone scene is scary because it's a monster esque chase scene. It definitely is more sad than it is scary because the climax of the scene is Raya's dad sacrificing himself to allow Raya to go make things right. I agree with you. Uh, this one has to go down. Uh, Eric and Alyssa, any issues there with the Horn King rising his army here? Nope, no issues. That one was genuinely scary. I was like, have I seen this in my life? It's pretty scary. <laughs> Watching it as an adult, too. And Raya made Alyssa cry. 
Yeah. That, that second scene, I was bawling. I was like, no, don't do it. I, I was like, this is not scary. This is just sad. Yeah. Sad AF. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk more about the Black Cauldron next time, and I, I'll, I'll leave it for that. Uh, let's talk about this next matchup. Number seven, Fidget Traps Olivia from The Great Mouse Detective versus the number 10, King Candy Goes Turbo from Wreck-It Ralph. The Great Mouse Detective is not a film that I really remember at all, uh, but it's always somewhat of a a nostalgic watch. Not saying nostalgic and enjoyable, but nostalgic and being like, yeah, I remember I watched this as a kid at once upon a time. In this scene, uh, you have Basil Dawson and Olivia who are seeking out Fidget, who is this little bat creature who Basil has tried to arrest throughout his career and hasn't been able to. So they're on the hunt for him. There's kind of this parallel storytelling going on in which we know Fidget is up to something separate than what Basil knows he's up to because Fidget is the henchman of Radigan in this universe. Anyways, that doesn't matter because Fidget escapes into this toy shop and Olivia, Dawson, and Basil go in there to go try and find Fidget. And so they're they're kind of sneaking around this toy shop. We get uh, the first jump scare, which is when Olivia turns on the fireman band that begins playing in these, what has been a silent moment of the scene. And Chris, here we are again with a little Firehouse 5 plus 2 homage. Did you see... On the base of this little platform that this trinket fireman toy was standing on, it had a five minus one because there was only really? four firemen on the platform. I, I did was, not notice that. That is really cool. I yes. was um, distracted by the Dumbo that was okay, well, that's in the later. same scene, that's but later. that's later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love me... Some references to the Firehouse 5 plus 2, which we've talked about a million times and I won't anymore, but they have a little 5 minus 1 on the base. And I thought that was really cool. So that's the first little scare. As they're kind of going around, we get a lot of imagery of some of these daunting toys from these clown carvings to the jester in the uh the what is that called? Uh the the thing. Jack in Jack the, in the box. Um And so as they walk through, it's kind of this, when is Fidget going to pop out? Uh, Olivia makes her way as she's distracted by bubbles that are coming out of a Dumbo bubble blowing toy, which is what Chris had mentioned. Uh, They, she sees a, a little baby bed in the back, a baby cradle in the back. And she walks up to it and she's gonna pull it back so she can get the baby toy and out pops Fidget into our screen growling another little jump scare moment fidget gets away with olivia after he bags her up and that's kind of that scene it's up against king candy going turbo we're in that final uh what what's the what's the race called what's the game sugar rush sugar rush the the game but yes is it called like the Candy cup or something? <laughs> I, maybe. I just couldn't remember what the game was called because my mind wants to say Candy Crush so bad. <laughs> but it's definitely not a, yeah, not a sponsor either. But it's definitely Sugar Rush. Uh, so we're in this final race for the Sugar Rush 
cup, whatever it is. Vanellope is getting ready to take that checkered flag. And here comes King Candy himself. Uh, They get into this kind of sparring match on the racetrack. And King Candy's car is attached to Vanellope's. And he's doing the evil villain monologue in which he's telling her that she's worth nothing. She can't win this. And as he's freaking out, he's glitching out. And it reveals that he is actually the virus that has infected this game, Turbo. And the glitch effect is so good because it's this... It never, he never fully goes turbo during the scene. He's like glitching back and forth. Half quarter of him becomes turbo. But in these glitches, you kind of, your brain pieces together this turbo figure who is terrifying. He looks like a, a zombie racer. So he's screaming at Vanellope and Vanellope is able to like tear away and, and get away. And that's kind of how King Candy turns into turbo in this scene. Uh, And so in this matchup, I'm going to go with Turbo. I think that imagery is a lot scarier. I think if I was in a theater during the Great Mouse Detective and it was dead silent and Fidget jumped in my face, yeah, I'd probably get spooked. But the idea that this person who we maybe did or did not expect to be the villain is actually the villain and that transformation itself is a lot scarier than a jump scare. So I'm going to go with the 10 seed upset here. Um, I do think that the fidget jump scare is actually a pretty solid one. Uh, and the fact that he's a baby, he's like disguised as a baby makes it a little bit slightly more effective. <laughs> sure. Uh, and like the way that it's animated where it kind of like you're coming at it from the back and you're seeing Olivia's face and then like you're, it was animated really well. Like for a movie that I don't think is super good that I don't really revisit very often. Um, I think that it's a, it's a solid moment. Um, I think it's, I don't know that it's worthy of the seven seed. Uh, that feels a little bit high for me. Um, I think I'm with you on, on the King candy transformation. Uh, I think this, we've talked about the, the villain hiding in plain sight uh, when we were talking about Pixar villains last week. And I think that's just a really cool moment. Uh, I'm with you. Listen, Eric, do you agree? Alyssa, I know you shouted out uh, this King candy moment when we, when we started. Yes. I'm happy to see King candy prevail. <laughs> um, next matchup is the number three headless horseman chase from the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad versus number 14. Mr. Manchas goes savage. in uh from zootopia man these are two chase scenes like at the end of the day um and one of them is like definitely better than the other one and that's the ichabod one uh the mr manchas one uh definitely has its its scary elements uh again it's at nighttime uh it's raining outside uh they're on a rickety bridge at one point they are in they're they're like crawling through a small tunnel where the mr manchas who is a a panther a black panther Uh is uh like keeps kind of like breaking through onto them uh which makes it feel claustrophobic and scary and they're up they're up really high so there's always the element that they might fall off to their deaths uh, so there's certainly some elements of suspense here um, but it just is I don't know the stakes are a little bit low just because Mr. Manchas is kind of like a random character mm-hmm. uh, and so you don't really 
feel like this is a, a major like good versus evil moment in Zootopia. I, I do want to shout out the fact that a, uh, big cats are scary. Uh, they are apex predators. So yeah. uh, let's, let's just not ignore that. Jaguar's <laughs> got the strongest bite force in the animal kingdom. There you go. By the way, a black panther is just like a super rare Jaguar. I love that, it. There you go. Disrespectful. Science baddie. <laughs> so uh, yeah. should we just change the name of the superhero to a uh, <laughs> specific type of Jaguar? <laughs> there is a great joke that uh, I saw Zootopia in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I saw it at a drive-in. Uh, I saw it by myself. <laughs> <laughs> the first week I moved to Kansas City uh, and I had no friends and I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm look. I have a lot of time on my hands. I need something to do. I'm going to go watch this new Disney movie. Let's check it out. And I verbally audibly laughed out loud <laughs> when Judy Hoffs is like, we're at Tujunga and Vine and Nick Wilde's like, it's Tohunga. <laughs> uh, because if you've ever lived in Los Angeles, you know somebody who has said Tujunga at one point <laughs> and you also have met somebody who has very hastily corrected something <laughs> by saying it's Tohunga. <laughs> it has happened to me before. Uh, one of my roommates in college did that because I was trolling by uh, <laughs> purposefully mispronouncing uh, Tohunga. Uh, Headless Horseman, like the entire movie is leading up to It's not a whole movie, but it's half a movie. The whole thing is leading up to this chase. Uh, the stakes are high. This is early Disney, so you're not sure if they're yeah. gonna kill this dude. They might. <laughs> like they've been known to do some crazy stuff before. They might do it again, and they leave the movie with kind of a ambiguous ending. You don't really know exactly what happened. Um, this is a phenomenally executed chase scene. Uh, it has elements of like actual urgency. There is terror, and also elements of like. The narrator even says like anxiety, like he's scared of things that aren't actually there. He's pulling a Kevin Hart. So, um, I just think it's really, really masterfully done. Uh, so I got the, the high seat, the number three headless horseman chase moving on here for sure. Yeah. Number three is definitely moving on. This short is what I watched to kick off spooky season. Ooh. Of course, of course I watched a little Mr. Toad at the beginning because you can not just skip Mr. Toad. Uh, but I love this headless horseman story. This short, it's so good. I agree with you. Uh, number three is going to move on. Eric and Alyssa, any issues there? It's so scary. Like yeah. it's, it's going far. So I'll, I'll save some of my thoughts. It's just the, the headless horseman in general. is always like, like that particular story that would bother me. Yeah, super scary one. Uh, Let's talk about this final matchup. Number six, the Evil Queen's Witch transformation from Snow White versus number 11, Carnotaurus Attacks uh, from Dinosaur. Dinosaur has shown up on Mouse Madness here uh, with this attack of what they call the Carnotaurus, but it's really kind of like a T-Rex in this film. Uh, This scene happens at the very beginning. We have this other little dinosaur that's chasing a butterfly into this heavily treed area most likely a jungle Uh, in the background you see the ominous carnotaurus in like kind of stalking this animal and suddenly he makes his appearance chases the small dinosaur ends up grabbing a triceratops in his teeth 
wrangling him around, obviously is eating him, lets out a roar, and that's the end of the scene. So that we have our established kind of villain or the the monster of this film in a film full of monsters. I haven't seen Dinosaur since it came out. I remember getting the McDonald's toy uh, where you put your hand in the... It was like a puppet of the dinosaur. And we may have talked like about that. One of the greatest happy meal toys yeah. of all time it's so good i'm pretty sure i found one at a thrift store in martinez oh recently. man yeah i think oh. i've said this on the pod before but like my mom used to put them on the bathtub faucets yeah, yeah, so that i wouldn't hit this. my head on it when i was a oh. baby oh, <laughs> perfect that. use for them it's up against the number six evil queen's witch transformation which her revealing herself as the witch as the old hag is not the scary part the scary part is the transformation to get there Uh, she puts together this potion she drinks it the room starts swirling around her she looks like she's tortured herself as she's going through this her hands are turning into this old woman's hands it's that transformation thing that is just scarier and scarier every time you watch it I'm going to go with the number six here over the dinosaur attack. I have so much to say about the number six seed. I definitely have it. I love what you just said. The idea that the evil queen, it's like it hurts. It physically hurts her, but the, but she's willing to like push through it for Mm -hmm. her, her villainous goal. Uh, That's, that's pretty crazy. makes her a very evil villain. And a very makes for a very scary scene. So, uh, yeah, Carnotaurus. Uh, I don't. I think this is the first time I've ever hit play on Dinosaur. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, don't really know if I want to go any further. Um, yeah, that scene is just like it looked like he stepped on some potatoes, and that was. Oh. <laughs> that was the R. scene. R.I.P. Right? R.I.P. Um. So I. I mean, hey, uh, we've got science baddie on this episode, so I have to science a little bit here. Um, the little baby dinosaur uh, was a hadrosaur, um, which is one of my favorite dinosaurs. Um, yes, I did take the dinosaurs class at UCSB. Uh, super <laughs> worth it, except for this Saturday morning final, uh, the second oh, Saturday of finals God. week, no, uh, which was absolutely brutal. It was an eight a.m. No, jeez, Louise. Uh, but Hadrosaur is kind of a cool dinosaur because it, it's it has that kind of duck bill. Some people call it the duck bill dinosaur, and we don't really know exactly what the duck bill was for because traditionally those types of things are like evolutionary. Like there was a reason for it. And so some people think maybe it was a snorkel. We don't know for sure, but we do know that most hadrosaur bones were found around bodies of water, rivers, Ah. fresh water. So it's definitely possible. Um, So shout out to science. All right, so Evil Queen Witch Transformation moves on. Eric and Alyssa, are we good here? Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Oh, man. All right, we're going to talk about more scary scenes. The same ones, just a little bit more in depth next time in our Elite Eight, which looks like this. The number one Snow White Forest Chase is taking on the number nine Aurora Gets Enchanted. Down the brackets, the number four Night on Bald Mountain sequence versus the number 12 Frollo Kills Quasi's Mom. Across the brackets, the number two, Horn King raises his army versus the number 10, King Candy goes turbo. And rounding out that elite eight is the number three, Headless Horseman Chase versus the number six, Evil Queen's Witch Transformation. Eric and Alyssa, thank you both very much 
for coming back to the pod and joining us on this first round journey. Didn't have a ton of work this time around, but I think that's going to get a little testy next time. <laughs> oh, boy. Can't wait for the testiness. All right, everyone. Well, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about these scary scenes, did we miss something spooky? Email us at mousemaddestpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord. All those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. Folks, until next time, just remember, you can never hide from the eyes of Notre Dame. <laughs>